Well, I'm glad you clapped. It saved me having to do it. Uh, I hadn't actually heard that song until sound check 20 minutes before the service started, and it wrecked me. Uh, that's Rachel Larson. She uh, is on staff, actually, as one of our tech people, and then she also has an amazing voice. Uh, again, I'm Doug Moss, uh, one of the pastors here, and uh, I spent a lot of time this week uh, in preparation for this message and then one earlier today uh, thinking about the moon. And when I was a kid, the moon was this pretty amazing thing, right? It, it was so huge and bright in the sky. It was so serene and majestic and beautiful. And I experienced that thing, I think many of you have too, where you'd, you'd be in the back seat of a car while your parents were driving, and it just felt like the moon just followed you everywhere you went, because it was just such a stable presence in the night sky, and that there was nowhere you could turn or go, no matter how far you drove, the moon was always right there, hanging with you. It was pretty amazing. And then, as I grew older, the moon got smaller. And I started to learn things about it, that all the things that I had thought made it so beautiful and majestic and large and powerful actually weren't true. I found out that the moon is actually one four hundredth the diameter of the sun. It looks like it's the same size in our sky, but it's, it's so vastly infinitesimally smaller than the sun. It's just an optical illusion that it just also happens to be one four hundredth of the distance uh, that the sun is, and that's what makes it look the same size. I found out that the moon has such a bad reputation amongst human beings that we actually made up the word lunatic based on the moon because we actually blame the moon for making people crazy. So much for a guiding light, it's actually the thing that throws us off our kilters. I remember this one moment, I was freshman year high school uh, in English lit class, and uh, I, like probably most freshmen in high school, I didn't really know how girls worked, but I knew that I wanted to know how they worked. And our teacher said, we're going to read Romeo and Juliet in class this year, and I thought, oh great, I can take some notes, it's like a romantic story. And there was this moment, right, where, where Romeo, who's got some serious game, right, he goes to a party and immediately he makes this girl Juliet fall in love with him. And, uh, and he's out in front of her window and, and he says this great line, this famous line, right? He says, you know, oh, you know, Juliet, how I love thee. And, and he says, you know, I swear, lady, by yonder blessed moon, I swear. And 14-year-old me is writing this down and going, all right, the moon, that's gold, man, that's gold, thanks. All right, I'm going to remember that. And then if you keep reading, you remember what Juliet says. <laughs> Juliet says, swear not by the moon, the inconstant moon that monthly changes in her circled orb, lest that thy love be likewise variable. And 14-year-old me goes, okay, not the moon. Don't. They, don't. they don't like being compared to the moon. I get it. Okay. Or I started to get more into science and learning astronomy and, and finding out that the moon isn't even this stable of a light the way I always thought it was as a kid. As a kid, I just was like, oh, it's cool. It changes shape sometimes. not a big deal. And then you start to look into it. And not only uh, is the moon uh, smaller than the sun, it's, it's not considered reliable, but, but every 29 days, the moon gives off zero light at all. Right? Have you guys seen this? You know, the last few nights we've had a nice full moon, but this is what it looks like every 29 days. No light at all. 
And so we humans do what human beings do when things of nature are outside of our control and not to our liking. We come up with our own man-made solutions. And so if the moon isn't going to be a reliable source in the sky, we're going to come up with our own light sources instead. If we can't trust the moon in its cycle, then we're going to make sure that we have things we can trust and we're going to light up the night ourselves. In fact, light pollution is actually a thing that scientists are talking about now because we have filled the night with so much light that you can't actually see the sky the way people did for most of human history. There's actually something called a Bortle scale, and it's not named after a quarterback. And the scale says that there's um, a class system from class one to class nine. Class one is what Galileo would have seen when he looked at a night sky hundreds of years ago. Class nine is what New York City looks like every night right now. If you've been to New York City, it might as well be daytime 24 hours a day because there is no darkness in New York City. Not only that, it means that we don't see the sky the same way that people used to see it. The Milky Way is this amazing thing in our galaxy that we get to see the Milky Way in the sky. But you can only see the Milky Way if the light pollution is at a class three or lower. And yet, scientists say that eight in ten children born in America today will never see the Milky Way once in their lives. Because even your average American suburb has a Bortle scale level of class six or seven, which means I'll never see it. In fact, if you are at the Grand Canyon on a moonless night, on a night where it's a new moon, no light coming from the moon at all, the brightest thing in the sky is not the Milky Way or any stars. The brightest thing is the glow from Las Vegas, 175 miles away. Think about even the way we travel, that it used to be you had to travel in the daytime because that was the only time you could see, but now we have light so much under our own control that we travel anytime we want. We have cars with headlights, and so we don't have to worry about planning our day around the inconstancy of the moon. We just take matters into our own hands, turn on the headlights, go where we need to go. It's almost midnight here, and yet here we all are because we can do that, because we have our man-made lights under our own control, and we can light up a sanctuary well enough for us to have a midnight service. But what if we didn't have all these lights on in the sanctuary right now? Just take a minute. Let your eyes adjust. It's weird, isn't it? We're not used to just sitting in the dark. But as your eyes adjust, you might notice that there are some lights in the sanctuary that they are on every moment of the day, and yet you probably never notice them. If you look around, you might see them now. You see that there are some lights marking the exits for us. You see, there's this light that is shining, and it is a guide to us, but because we have so many other lights on, we never see them. And just like with the moon, when we resort to the man-made light that's under our own control, we never actually see the guiding light that is available to us. Because the moment it gets dark, 
we take care of it. And we turn on our lights and we shine them around and we miss the thing that was available for us the whole time. You see, there are two problems with man-made light. Two problems with living life based on flashlights and whatever we can generate. And the first is, I don't know if you're noticing it right now, but when you're shining your own light, it actually makes the rest of the darkness around you darker. And not only that, but when you're holding a flashlight, yeah, it might shine for you around where you are. It doesn't actually guide you anywhere. It might illuminate where you are, but if you're trying to get somewhere, if you're trying to find your path, your way to something, a flashlight doesn't actually help you do that. You need a light that's outside of your control. You need a light that actually points you to a particular goal. And if we're willing, just willing once in a while to stop trying to seize control, to stop keeping the lights on so that we can stave off the darkness. Maybe, just maybe, we'll see a different light in a different way. See, maybe we'll start to notice the moon again. Maybe we'll see lights that had been there the whole time. And as I've been reflecting on that and how little I myself look at the moon these days because it's far more safe, far more comfortable to rely on my own light, I'm realizing that the moon actually serves as a symbol and a reminder of what God does for us. That before we ever had man-made lights and flashlights that could light up an entire room, lights that could light up Vegas and glow through the whole countryside around The moon was a constant presence and something that actually reminded us of part of the nature of God. I want to share with you Psalm 139. It says this. Where can I go from your spirit, God? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. In the same way that the moon doesn't always feel as reliable or as bright as we might like it to be, I think God's presence doesn't always feel as reliable and obvious as we might like it to be. But just like the psalmist was reflecting, no matter where we go, no matter how far we travel, God's presence is there in the same way that the moon is there for us too. And it's so easy to get bogged down in the things that we're trying to solve in our own life that when you get into dark patches, rough spots where you're just trying to make it from one hard thing to the next, it becomes so easy to keep your head down, keep your light turned on, and not even look for anything greater around you. But it's there. And what's amazing is that there is no spot on earth that can't, from wherever they are, see the moon. Yes, you can go down into a tunnel, but north, 
southeast, west, mountaintops, or the plains, the moon is there shining, and it's there for you. And in the same way, God's presence is real, and it's there for you as well, no matter where you are. Because in fact, that is the Christmas story. We sing about all these moments on this one special night, this holy night, this silent night that's different than the rest. But part of what happened that was so important that night was that the light came into the world in a very different way. The Gospel of John describes the Christmas story this way. It says, Jesus Christ, the Word, gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. This is the promise of Christmas. See, we might try to stave off the darkness through our own control and our own inventions. We might try to find our own ways to battle against these things, but there is a light that no darkness will ever quench. There is a light that has been shining for 2,000 years since that moment that a baby was born and laid in a manger all that time ago. And wherever we are, that presence, that shining light of God is there beckoning to us, guiding us, lighting our path in a way that we cannot light for ourselves. There's actually an old expression that that has always bothered me. The expression says that all roads lead to Rome. And it's always troubled me because clearly there are wrong ways to go. There are paths that don't lead to Rome. You can turn around and walk the opposite direction. I think what's more true and more accurate is this, is to say that no matter where you are, there is a way to get to Rome. And the hope I want to share with you tonight is that no matter where you are in your life, no matter what wrong turns or paths you've taken, no matter how dark the night might seem, there is a light shining for you. And you are not out of its reach. You aren't too lost or too stuck in darkness to see it. That light is there. And our man-made lights, they can stave off the darkness for a little bit, but there is only one light that can guide us home. And that light has been shining for 2,000 years. It shines here tonight. Let our Lord Jesus, the light of the world, be your comfort, your hope, and your guide. Be willing to turn off the things that you trust in And let his light shine and bring you home. Amen. Would you please pray with me? Lord God, we we come before you and we sing songs and we, we light candles in awe of you. The one true light, the light that has been since the dawn of creation. The light that came so that we would no longer have to live in darkness and uncertainty and fear. And so, Lord, I ask now that as we gather this late at night, long past normal bedtimes and routines, Lord, that you would shine a light in this place, that light would kindle in our hearts, 
and we ourselves would become beacons who help people navigate a dark world because we know the love and the light that created our lives through you. We pray all this in your holy name. Amen.